in the end, what people think they need, which is I need to know what equipment to buy and how to set myself up to look great. That is the easy and quick part. What people really, really in the end I found need is the accountability and the support around keeping it up regularly. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the owner and chief video democratizer with Clockwise Productions, Nina Farip. If you are a coach or consultant producing video content, can help your audience learn about you and want to connect with you. In my discussion with Nina, we discuss the importance of doing it consistently. Stay with us to hear all the details. Nina shares the benefits of being with a cohort of people that provide mutual support and accountability. That's why the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Nina Farip. Nina has seen it all. From the early 90s on independent features to big national TV commercials, corporate mega shows, and Emmy Award-winning documentary films, including one she produced and directed called Abraham's Children. Today, she's super excited to enable business coaches and service-based entrepreneurs to grow their businesses with fun and easy video marketing so they can attract their ideal clients. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. Nina, your own business has gone through an interesting evolution. Yes. Yeah. What made you pursue helping business coaches and service-based entrepreneurs to grow their business with fun and easy video marketing? Because I saw the need for myself about six or seven years ago. I realized that if I didn't put myself out with video as a video production company, I wasn't going to survive. So I set out to create videos without a budget, which I'd never done before, and by myself, which I had never done before, and very quickly found myself banging my head against the wall. And I figured there had to be a better, faster, quicker, more fun, and easier way to do this. So I gave myself three months to pivot my business which wasn't that much fun anymore anyway, because people wanted the exact same thing they had gotten from me only five years earlier for a tenth of the budget. And I'm not exaggerating. So I was looking to pivot myself anyway. And um, so I figured this is great. I'm going to help people create their own videos. So I thought three months would be about a good time frame to pivot. It's what now, nearly seven years later, and I feel like I'm finally hitting my stride. So it, it took a hot second, but you know, not the first time. I've been we're celebrating this year our 25th anniversary, so I'm no stranger to pivoting and salvaging, saving, and you know, making a business work again. Well, congratulations on 25 years. It's a long time. It is a very long time. <laughs> you beat the odds. 
Yes, I sure did. There's a funny story about that, but I don't think we'll have time for that. <laughs> well, what's the story? <laughs> oh, it's after one year of being in business, Citibank called me and said they had to have a meeting with me. And I'm like, oh, holy crap, this is not good. You know, I'm not making enough money. They're going to like not want me as a client anymore. So we set up the meeting. They show up three men high with their little, you know, their little, you know, briefcases in hand. They marched into my office and congratulated me for still being in business after a year. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I had no clue that this was a positive meeting and not a you're fired meeting. So <laughs> goes to show. Yeah, I'm not sure that banks still do those kinds of things. No, that was, as I said, 25 years ago, so. <laughs> yes. So you pivoted your business. Mm-hmm. Interesting that it that you feel like it, it took way longer than you had anticipated. Why do you think it took longer? Because there were so many things all happening at the same time. It wasn't one thing I was pivoting. I was pivoting, A, uh, from having two or three really big clients every year, to having many, many, many smaller clients in a year. I was pivoting from shooting, you know, huge productions with big budgets and big crews to doing everything myself. And I, you know, spent quite some time to refresh my memory on how to actually shoot myself and how to edit. I had to teach myself how to edit with a what I call a proper edit software, which I promptly then never used again after I learned it. And it also was just such a massively changing landscape where many small companies had to pivot. It also took a hot second for me to find a new audience and find out who really needed my services. And, you know, the sort of counterproductive idea of needing to niche down, I I was fighting that tooth and nail. I thought that that can't be right. You know, if I'm just servicing a small group of people, how can I possibly ever be profitable again? So there was just a lot of mindset stuff that I needed to learn. And then I was basically my own guinea pig. I, I just kept experimenting on what worked for me and what didn't. And it's just, just when you're doing everything yourself, it just takes a hot second. Yeah, I find it interesting that as someone who who has been a longtime business owner, that niching down, even though it's totally counterintuitive, and um, certainly new people in business often fail to get how important it is, I find it interesting that you were fighting it. You know, I David, I never had to market myself. I was in the word of mouth business. If I had three clients a year that gave me a couple of jobs a year. I had, you know, an amazing, amazing income. So I never, I wasn't used to marketing. I didn't even, it just was not something I had to do for myself ever to the extent that I do it now. Interesting. And what was the connection between finding your audience and niching down, if any? If any, I think it was first a realization who even needs video, who needs video that they produce themselves and that they put on social media. And then it was who can pay for this? And then the question was, what what do they think their pain points are and what really are their pain points? Um, So what do they think they need and what do I know they need? And then also just, you know, when I started this, I was way ahead of the game. I don't think... I mean, I saw the need for video. I saw how important it was and how well it converted. But, you know, the first couple of years after my pivot, 
all my content that I put out to establish my expertise, I was talking about how important video is. And then, you know, 17, 18, 19, that became less important. And then, you know, March 2020, everybody got it. I didn't have to talk about that at all anymore, ever. It's funny how things can change so quickly. Yeah. And I was, we were ready. I mean, that was, I mean, COVID was a blessing for the company. Yeah, it's fascinating. So what did you learn in your market research about your audience, what they wanted, what they could pay for, what they were willing to pay for, what they needed, what you realized they needed and they may may or may not have known that they needed it? <laughs> okay, how many, how many part series do we have here? <laughs> you can answer in whatever order you want. Uh, the summary, the summary of it all is that, you know, first of all, needing video, I think at this point is a given if you are a service provider, because as a service provider, you are the product. People are not buying your programs, they're buying, working with you. So if you don't show up on video and they can't get a test drive of whether they're even going to like you before they spend X amount of dollars for a three month or one year or even weekend program with you, they want to make sure that they're going to like you. And video is the greatest way to showcase you and give your audience a taste of what it is that you offer that you do for them and how you do it for them. So for us, very quickly, we realized if we're going to work with somebody, it's not going to be brick and mortar. It's going to be service providers because service providers need sort of that, you know, the talking head video. And that was, you know, coming from a corporate and documentary background mostly, and also being very clear, at least in my case, that I wanted to be location independent because I do split my time between Europe and America at this point. I was like, how can I teach my clients to get to quick and easy video that they can produce themselves without spending too much time on it so they can be consistent with it? Because if you're not consistent, you're not going to attract the clients. So that was sort of the, the thought process around that. How many of those questions did I leave out, David? What did you discover about who was willing to pay for it? So the sweet spot... So, well, what I found out is that about, I think it's, I'm making these numbers up, but I've heard them so many times, I think I'm close enough to the truth, um, you know, whatever the truth is, says the documentary filmmaker. I would say about 80% of all business coaches make less than, I think the number is like something terrible, like 50,000 a year, right? So it's more like a hobby. So for me, it was very important to reach the group of people that were making making, let's say, at least 100000 a year, 120000 a year, but maybe weren't making it consistently yet. So maybe they have a 15000 month or a 20000 month because they're launching something, then they have nothing for a month, and then they, you know, they go in and out. So that is a, is a good client. I also learned that I attracted people like myself. So a little more women than men, people my age, 50 plus, I found that the younger crowd had a facility with video. I mean, I could maybe polish them a bit, but it wasn't like they they were up in arms and couldn't figure out how to even get started, right? Because they they were, there's a generation that's born with a smartphone in their hand. So that generation is not my, not my client. And then, you know, I'm at a point in my career where I was like, I'm not working with assholes. 
I'm not working with uncoachable people. I want to work in groups. I love groups dynamic. I love the support that we can give each other because in the end, what people think they need, which is I need to know what equipment to buy and how to set myself up to look great. That is the easy and quick part. What people really, really in the end I found need is the accountability and the support around keeping it up regularly. And that is really the biggest thing that I think I can offer is, yes, we'll teach you all the other stuff. And it's really important to get through that stuff. So shooting becomes as easy as writing an email. That's sort of my my thing. I always say that. But in the end, if you don't keep it up and if you don't make a habit of it, and if you don't have an airtight playbook that allows you to just pick up your phone, shoot, and get it out there, you're not going to do it. And if you're not going to do it, then if you just shoot a video here or there, then why bother? Right. So then for your ideal client, what is the person like before they start working with you? So before they start working with me, they're either just confused, period, and full stop, you know, overwhelmed, confused. They don't even know where to start. Or they're definitely afraid of showing up on video. And that is either because they hate seeing and hearing themselves on video and or they're afraid they're going to sound like an idiot and people are going to throw rocks at them, you know, when when they open their mouth. Or they just have any other, you know, perfectionism. A lot of people, you know, are stuck in perfectionism and just can't get over it not being, you know, the full-on production. So that's sort of the second group. And then the third group are people who have done videos and just have never seen results and don't understand why and, you know, feel feel down and out about video and th- figure, you know, f- think that it doesn't work at all. Right. So is the process that you take them through similar, no matter of those three kinds of people, is it a similar process that you take them through? Yes, because the process, well, okay, so I have one-on-ones for people who, you know, have their pants on fire or, you know, just have a specific need they want to address. But most of my clients go through my program called the Connect and Convert Cohort, and they go through the same process because they get out of it what they put in. So I've done this now for over two and a half years, and I've changed my cohort so many times to make it sort of the perfect vessel that you get what you really need. So there is one-on-one, there is group, and there is an online learning element. And with the combination of those three, it just really creates now, in my opinion, the best of all worlds where everybody gets what they came for, including all the things that they didn't know they needed and they're coming for. So can you paint a picture of, um, and maybe give an example of how someone who has gone through this comes out, like what, where they start, what they go through and where they are at the end. Yeah, I'm trying to think who would be a, a great example. So yeah, so my client Connie, she already had done some video. She works with, uh, she's a financial person and she was also pivoting her business from being strictly an accountant to working with people around mindset, around money. So having video and you know, showcasing what she was doing now was really important because her, you know, sales proposition wasn't that straightforward anymore as in, give me your books, I'll give you your accounting, right? So it was much more 
I don't want to say in the woo-woo world, but it was it was less tangible. So the videos she had been doing were costing her a huge amount of money because she was having them professionally shot and edited and everything took forever because she always was waiting on other people to do the next step. And then it was an approval process, et cetera. So by bringing her into the program, we had her first focus on, okay, what kind of content even makes sense for us to put out to attract that kind of client I want to attract? on LinkedIn. And then, you know, we put a strategy for her around that. And then basically I spent a couple of hours with her setting up her office, make sure she sat at a place with her desk the way it was. That made sense in terms of lighting, framing, and, you know, where she was looking and what she was looking like, how she was showing up on camera. And then I showed her how to create these really short videos. She had a brilliant idea for a series of short, I love series because you can batch produce them, it saves you tons of money and time. And um, so she came up with a fun, with a fun series. And then we just started practicing with that. So by being in a four month program, which the first month is one-on-one with me, you get sort of the, you know, she got the specifically what she needed for her setup in her office. And then in the, in the group session, she got seeing what everybody else was doing. So that gave her, you know, food for thought. It gave her the confidence to show up and actually not only create the videos, but also post them. So we found out with Connie that her biggest hangup was the posting part that she, she did really very cute, very fun. She was very funny. So having that confidence at the other end of actually not just creating videos that are quick and easy, but also having the confidence to post them, that was a big deal for her. And now she's on LinkedIn. Um, She's joined my club, which is is a sort of a group thing that happens after the cohort if you choose to do so. And there we're now making sure that she's not falling off the horse with any kind of excuses not to post. And then we talk about, you know, when are we posting? How are we posting? What are good timeframes to post? What goes into a post other than the video? You know, what, what, what kind of content goes, you know, how do we contextualize the video? What is a good performance of a video? How can we fix a video or all a video if it's not performing, et cetera. So how, how often is Connie now posting? Once a week so far. Yeah, that's great. That's great. How long are her videos? She's really good at keeping it at a minute because she also wants to go on Instagram. So she's keeping it at 59 seconds. She's, she's one of my star pupils in that way. I have a gentleman, Paul, who's videos are absolutely brilliant, but he keeps, as he says, he keeps going in the wrong direction. He's now at about five minutes. I'm like, Paul, you got to get down to 90 seconds, you know, but he has an audience for it. So I'm like, you know, sometimes the rules are being broken and he's super entertaining and very funny. And I'm like, if he has good numbers on his videos and he's getting the calls, like people are booking calls with him, then find and I'll let his videos be five minute videos. If it serves, if it serves the purpose, then don't fix it. Yeah. The data don't lie. Yep. True. I mean, that's, that's one of the, you know, the things about, um, this kind of business is you you get, you get data and, um, you you try something, look at what the results are and the data will tell you what, what to do more and what to do less of. Very true. What is something unexpected that you've experienced with video for consultants and coaches? A couple of things. One that that is, is sort of always top of my mind because it blew me away was uh, a client who was a TED speaker, not TEDx, a TED speaker, also a prolific documentarian. I could not get a video out of her for a year. 
just couldn't, had every excuse in the book not to finish a video, not to. And then when she finally had a few, she didn't post them. And it, it, there was just mindset going on beyond what I'm equipped to deal with. And and I actually, you know, at some point had to just send her to other coaches that deal with, with mindset because it was, there was something really deeply ingrained. And I'm just in general surprised you know, at first when I started, I'm like, ooh, the big deal is going to be showing people how to shoot themselves. And then I figured, oh, that was actually really easy. And then I was like, ooh, the big deal is going to show people how to edit themselves. That's really easy. There are phenomenal apps on your phone nowadays to get it done in like three minutes flat. And I was like, ooh, the big deal is going to be this, that, and the other. And in the end, the big deal is for people to feel comfortable enough to show up. Yeah, I think that's probably always the biggest deal is mm-hmm. like what we have to deal with ourselves. Yeah. I mean, the same, and- same thing is true for podcasting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People have to get over the anxiety about hearing their own voice. Yeah. And the fear of not being intellectually good enough or apropos or on the spot. And I think that is a very, the, the I think the fear of voice and, and looking bad physically with practice, you get over that. But I think a lot of people are just really afraid of putting themselves out there in general. And then on this flip side of the coin, one of the nicest compliments I ever, ever got was one of my very first clients, Brad, who said, once I learned to create videos with you, I started showing up not only on video, I started showing up for my company. Wow. And I thought that was, that was like, that was amazing. Those kinds of, uh, those kinds of feedback are really, really make it for those of us that are in helping roles. Yeah, I mean, that, that that is what makes me get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Nina, what do you see? I mean, technology keeps changing mm. all the time. And mm-hmm. look at where we are now compared to, I mean, I'm just thinking about where we are compared to when I started podcasting in 2014. Yeah. The platform that we're using to record didn't exist. It probably wasn't even on anybody's radar to create such a thing. Who knew that podcasting would become what it has become? Who knew that yep. video would become so prevalent and easy for so many people to actually do the tools are they're so varied and and widely available what do you see coming up in the in the future for video and ways that consultants and coaches can connect with people connect with people in their marketplace yeah i mean I'm always a little nervous when, I mean, there's always new equipment and cool stuff happening and coming out. And I'm always a little cautious telling my clients, please stay focused on your strategy and your content because the message is not, the medium is not the message. (laughs) I kind of disagree there a little bit with Lachlan, but I think that, you know, things are going to become cheaper and more portable for sure. But I always think that you want to focus on on what you're saying to whom and why more than the technology. I look forward to having better a augmented reality experiences with my phone. It would be very cool to make IR more accessible. But all in all, I don't see myself in a technical field at all. With my clients, I use a phone, their smartphone, and that's it. There's, I normally give them a tripod to use for their desk. And especially when I have a group in the winter, one or maybe two small lights, and that's it. So we keep it on purpose, super technology simple. So there is no excuse to get between, between you and shooting video. 
That sounds great. Nina, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share before we close out? No, I very comprehensive questions. Thank you, David. <laughs> okay. If somebody does want to go deeper with anything we have discussed, check mm-hmm. out your programs, access any resources that you may have, where would be the best yep. place for them to go? Really my landing page, uh, clockwiseproductions.com, the website. There's a quiz on the landing page that you can take. We love the quiz. It's uh, it's sort of a, we call it the benchmark to see where you're at with your video marketing. Uh, it asks 20 questions, many of which you might never have asked yourself and will go like, oh, oops, okay. <laughs> and, and if you want to see video marketing live on LinkedIn, uh, follow me on LinkedIn because we do as we, I don't want to say preach, but as we tell. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, Nina, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights in your field. My guest today has been the owner and chief video democratizer of Clockwise Productions, Nina Farip. Thank you again, Nina, for joining us. Thank you for having me, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode, Nina shares the benefits of being with a cohort of people that provide mutual support and accountability. That's why the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. (laughs) 